Hey everybody, this is Cameron in the edit. Just wanted to give you a reminder, much like the past couple episodes, there's some discussion of sexual assault here. Um, we kind of talk about what's happened in the game so far. That's going to be something that continues throughout the rest of the game. Just wanted to let you know, make sure everyone knows what's up. Thanks so much for listening to the show, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Also, when we're talking about the political ideologies at the end of the episode, I get some things a little bit wrong, so you don't have to leave a comment and let me know about that. I guess you could if you want to. We come back to it in a couple episodes, and uh, I get everything configured right. So, uh, yeah. Take it away. Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show about the games beyond Baldur's Gate. We're playing Disco Elysium in this uh, season. I don't know what season this technically would be. Winter. <laughs> mm, winter what uh what episode is this it's uh, episode 65 i am cameron that's not the episode what it's not no we are on oh episode... it's episode 69 fine oh is that the appropriate response to that fine yeah. totally fine great <laughs> uh yeah this is episode 69 uh i'm cameron I'm Danny. You were just waiting on it too, right? You were I don't know why I said that was episode sixty five. I was trying to just take us back in time. You know, take us back uh, in time to I guess the beginning of uh us starting this game. But yeah, this is the fifth episode of Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. If so I maybe, could turn back time, if I could find a way. Mm-hmm. So maybe you were thinking five because this is the fifth episode. And no, we know. I think uh yeah, I think that might have been it. I mm-hmm. was looking at the number five written right in front of me. Yeah, do you want to do the uh, plot summary up until this point? No, you do that. What's the oh, plot summary? Is this is my job. Yeah, it's your job. <laughs> oh, I was listening to Just King Things, and y'all uh, switch out. So I got a ba- I bet did a bad negotiation for Mages and Murder Dads, I realize. I never opened it for negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was a crucial part of it. Um, you, you, you know, if you don't want something to happen, you just pretend like it can't. That's true. And that's what I'm doing here. Okay, we play a uh, protagonist whose name we find out is Harry Dubois. We are a alcoholic um, jerk of a police officer um, who's lost his memory. And we find out that we're investigating a murder and our temporary partner, Kim Kitsuragi, kind of walks us through the basics of being a cop. And the murder victim is hanging outside. Um, in a tree and we cut him down and we do an autopsy and we kind of figure some stuff out about the murder we find out through a through a whole bunch of ways that this guy was a mercenary representing the wild pines corporation and he was sent here to kind of be the muscle for the corporation because there's a big old strike going on at the dock workers union and we find out that lo and behold even though all of the evidence initially pointed to uh, him being hanged by the dock workers union due to rape accusations. In fact, he was shot by an unknown person, by an unknown assailant. And we are trying to figure out who actually shot this mercenary named Lelly. Mm -hmm. We have also done a couple of little, uh, little side questy stuff we we investigated a doom commercial area but that's the big main story i'm not going to get too far into side quests during the big uh summary yeah the uh have you acknowledged that your name is harry dubois 
I have. Are you sure? You know what? It's actually interesting. I have not contested it. Mm -hmm. I haven't contested the fact that my name is Harry Dubois. Mm-hmm. But I haven't all I had I never offered like an alternate name. I know at the very beginning, when you're pressed for your name, you can attempt to like you can attempt maybe a conceptualized role to make one up. Mm-hmm. And uh but I didn't do that. I would I just like didn't say anything because a big part of the character that I'm role playing is someone who has a very, very fragile ego. And so mm-hmm. I, I engage in a lot of like illusions of grandiosity because I'm a I'm a rock star. It's a big part of who I am. So I, mm-hmm. I can't like tolerate being wrong. So I, I kind of just don't acknowledge being wrong, and I also don't apologize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good that's uh, a good way to go through life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess the other thing to add to to this is uh, at the end of the last episode, you feel fairly confident. That Ruby, this character Ruby, was involved in some way. Yeah. So at the end of last episode, after with all the evidence I've collected, I think Ruby has motive. Ruby, we know, was at the scene of the crime. Ruby um, has has flown. You know, Ruby Ruby is gone. Appears to mm-hmm. be in hiding. And also. This is one thing I didn't necessarily mention in the last episode because this game is just a visual novel, so mm-hmm. can't can't say everything. True. Uh, when I was talking to Titus, he said, "Yeah, so Ruby left because she said there was this cop coming." And I said, "Oh, what what was you know? That's very suspicious. That was she was afraid of you know cops." And he said, "No, I didn't say cops. She was afraid of a cop. You like the <gasps> disco cop." Mm. And I said, why? And he says that your reputation. And I said, what's my reputation? He said, you're a human can opener. Were the exact words. You're a human can opener. You play people off of each other. And Mm. you just, and you, and you like, you, you kind of, you solve cases. You're, you're this, uh, you're this, you know, this heartless tool that just closes police cases, basically. Mm -hmm. And your failure rate is extremely high. No one on the planet has ever used a can opener successfully five times in a row. It's impossible. <laughs> Do you not sharpen your can opener after each use? What? File? What? Yeah, it's everyday can opener maintenance if you're using a manual one. Oh my gosh. Um, no, I haven't. So uh, also, <laughs> it, shows. End, it shows. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, the uh, the other thing to add too is that uh, during last episode I, I had a little bit of confusion about like you know because you had found out oh you know Ruby is probably across the bridge and she's like gone to ground she's hiding somewhere and you had like a pretty good sense of that's where Ruby was to find her mm-hmm. and I was like yeah I guess I learned that I didn't you know I don't really know the reason I was like I guess I know that is that I did not actually ask Titus about that mm-hmm. um, and so I was like I guess I got this information. Um, but I have not gone down that route yet with Titus. So, um, I don't know why I didn't do that, but I haven't done it yet. So, uh, so that's why. So I'm a little bit behind in that regard. Okay. Well, what time does the, does your game start on day two? Like at kind of 
mm-hmm. at the beginning of this episode, as it were. 2 p.m., 14, 1400s, so 2 p.m., somewhere around I in think, there? I think mine was just a tiny bit later. It was closer to 5 or 6. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, but we kind of mentioned it at the end of last episode. You get in a bind here, or one gets in a bind, where you kind of are scraping the bottom of the barrel of for content in this game at the end of day two. It's like at the end of day two, usually, uh, if you're like, if you're being pretty diligent about the main quest, at least, um, you're kind of at the point where it's like, okay, well, I've talked to everybody. It seems like I need to go on the other side of the bridge, but the bridge isn't up until tomorrow. So I guess I'm going to talk to other people. And that's kind of this episode. This episode, we're going to do just some little bips and bobs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what'd you do? Uh, I did, uh, I'm looking at my thing here. I did three different things. Okay. Uh, one of which we, we got a little bit of info from you about last time. Uh, so one is I talked to a, a guy named Rene Arnaud mm-hmm. and his buddy Gaston Martin. Uh, um, uh, I got a thing called, uh, I did a little quest called Special Borscht. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to the Smoking Witness. I don't remember if we even mentioned the Smoking Witness, but... Um, in, uh, if, if you go to the apartment building that is right north of the tree where Laylee was hanging, you can see that there's a guy like standing up, uh, you know, uh, on a balcony and he's smoking and you can like yell up to him and, uh, say like, Hey, did you see anything? And for me, he just walked off he ran away. And so I got a little task that's like, Hey, track that, track that fellow down. And mm-hmm. I haven't been doing that. Um, but, uh, but, but I also did that. So uh, I don't know. You want to talk about? Let's talk about special borscht. Borscht because it is. Uh, so you did special borscht. I did not, but I got in. Got up to some no good with Kuno. <laughs> I okay. I also almost got up to some no good with with Kuno. Um, well, let me tell you about special borscht really quick. Yeah, it's very yeah. it's a very short story, and then I want to hear about the Kuno. Okay. Um, so I go, I, I go talk, there's a guy right outside of Everard Claire's office and mm-hmm. he's sitting on, uh, a, uh, what's it called? Like, a, a shipping container. And he is apparently, it looks like redecorating the shipping containers and he's kind of singing a little bit and he's just having a good old time. And you can yell over to him and say like, Hey, what's up? What are you doing? And he explains his name is Easy Leo. And you, you apparently recognize, or Harry Dubois apparently re- immediately recognizes that he's Ubi, which we I, we don't I don't really know what that is. You know, it's it's a nationality perhaps, or or an ethnicity, kind of unclear. Mm-hmm. And but then he says, yeah, he's from uh, Irish, I R A E S H, and he has kind of a, an Irish accent. Um, and anyway, so I, I talked to him a little bit, and he. he I, there's not a lot to this character, to be frank. One thing that's very interesting that I'm actually not able to follow up on with anyone. I couldn't follow up on it with with Claire. I couldn't follow up on it with uh, Joyce Messier. I actually went to both these people afterward. Is that Leo is taking all of the Wild Pines shipping containers and is repainting them and redecorating them to be Union shipping containers. Yes. So he's, he, so he is basically stealing a bunch of stuff, or alternately turning everything in the um, uh, uh, harbor into a, a Union shipping container, so that they can't be disambiguated again. 
Yeah, I think that that's it, I, the the mildest explanation for it would just be we are removing the logos and it's our logos because we're the ones that do the real work. So it could be purely symbolic, but I think your your tact is right. Is that there's there's probably knowing uh, Claire, this this probably has some you know some true uh, consequences materially. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it's uh, they are worse. You know, the thing that I'm thinking of here is that you know it's the kind of thing where the union's like, oh, I don't know what's happened here. I guess we're gonna have to do a lot of work to figure this out. Right. And it becomes kind of a stonewalling technique because we know that the union negotiation slash fight is happening between the union and uh, Wild Pines. Right. It's the whole thing that Joyce told us about. Um, so I think that's interesting, but it literally goes nowhere. I can't ask anyone about it at this point. And he also tells me about the cook at the Whirling and Rags who makes a special borscht um, that that. Um, Leo will deliver to the striking workers and it like makes them strong. They like mm. to have a good time eating it. And I get a little task that's like, this, this borscht sounds really special. You should figure out what's up. So I go and walk over to the cook and I talk to him and I say, hey, what's going on here? And we don't remember, we don't speak the same language. Kim is not here. I don't have Kim Kitsuragi because he is taking Klausia to... For the rest of this episode, for the rest of the day, basically. For the rest right? of the day, yeah. I, I don't have Kim Kitsuragi with me. And so I have even fewer techniques of communication, I would <laughs> say, between this character. Eventually, he's he's like... He says in kind of a very thick accent, uh, more vodka. And so the implication is that the special borscht is just some food cooked in a lot of booze. Okay. And I said, you know what? I don't think you need more vodka. I don't think that's a good idea. And he's like a little bit disappointed. And then he like goes about his business. And that's the end of the task. Okay. Just a little, just a little story, really. A little story. Something interesting that I guess they're getting all the strikers boozed up every day. And that's a little bit of flavor for the world. Yeah. There are more than a few quests in this game. We we, we call them quests because it's just hardwired. But these tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think some of the tasks do take on a real quest structure of like you need to do some stuff and ostensibly there's going to be a bit a lot of experience or maybe like some item that you might get. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of the tasks are just little, they're little stories. They're like these little anecdotes in the game world that maybe tell you a little bit about the world or funny or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's one of them. Well, tell me about the Kuno. Well, I went and talked to Kuno really for the first time. I ignored him when we were uh, extricating the corpse from the tree. Um, Same as, for the most part. As I have, much, I've as done much as a lot to ignore him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I go and talk to him and I start asking him several things. And uh, and at some point, and I, I was really just like the, the few options that you have when you're talking to him are mostly just kind of talking about the murder scene. So I asked him, hey, who did you see here, etc. And um, there's this dynamic between Kuno and Kuno S that Kuno S kind of uh, is, you know, will interject occasionally and kind of bolster Kuno, give, give him some kind of encouragement. 
Yeah, hyping him up. Yeah. Kuno Kuno West is this, like, uh, uh, maybe equally aged or maybe a little bit younger. A little bit younger, yeah. Yeah, and she is, every time the Kuno is, like, making choices, she is always saying, do the the worst thing. Sure. Get him, Kuno. Um, At some point during the questioning, Kuno starts this bit where he starts shouting rape. Yes. This is a thing that happens in the game. So... Mm -hmm. Yes. Kuno starts shouting, basically saying that he is in imminent danger. That you're doing it. That I am doing it. Help this this cop. He's, he's trying to rape me. Mm-hmm. Shouting it. I get a, I pass a passive legendary shivers test after he starts shouting it and there are like windows being opened. And this is the text. Windows are being opened on Rue St. Cispar. People are turning their heads. An elderly woman puts down her grocery bags in front of the Fritz store and listens. Somewhere behind her, the gates of the industrial harbor are raised. On the catwalk above the shipping containers, a broad-shouldered man jerks his head up. That Kuno? Cops getting killed out there. The tattooed mesk next to him smiles. That's Kuno, all right. So Measurehead and uh, Call Me Manana are both are both reacting to the Kuno. Yeah, they're both like, "Oh man, Kuno's really—he's getting this guy." So really roasting him over there. He's roasting him, and mm. then immediately afterwards, I get a half light, uh, half light passive check. Some of these, sometimes this happens where like you'll pick a dialogue option and you'll get two or even three passive checks will succeed, mm-hmm. and you'll just get like input from your various abilities and half light remember is like the fight or flight response right yeah. um and it said look at his shit-eating grin he knows there's nothing you can do he's bullying you and you're helpless kill him kill him now he won't see death coming so one of my options, <laughs> yes one of one of my options is then Physical instrument, medium 10, shut him down. Mm-hmm. And I click that, and I just punch him directly in the face. Well, this is an interesting moment of yeah. um, divergence. Mm-hmm. Because I have this exact same scenario. Not not the half-light check, but but I'm, I'm talking to the Kuno. The reason I'm trying to talk to the Kuno is for something that we'll find out. Or we'll talk about in just a bit. But... Um, I'm just talking to him and he's doing this kind of thing where, you know, he's yelling about the cop. He's getting him all this kind of stuff. And then I get the same check and I go to punch the Kuno and I beef it. Oh no. I just whiff and fall on the ground and start yelling about how I'm hurt. And I have to try not to cry in front of the Kuno and he's bullying. He's just roasting me brutally as I'm like on the ground and, and saying to call an ambulance because I'm hurt. <laughs> and you're alone. You don't and I'm alone. To... Kim's not even there to like help me out. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. So then I ran away from him after that. Oh god. Mm-hmm. That's so. This is where my story ends. But yours, <laughs> I'm assuming, keeps going. <laughs> yeah, and this is a this is a red check, um, mm-hmm. which are relatively rare in the game. But it's basically like one and done. There is no turning back. Um, and in the logic of this game. You basically earn Kuno's respect by doing this. That's really by, a, a strong by, statement. By punching him in the face. Oof. Yeah. By punching like a 12-year-old right in the face. Yes. 
This is so, a serious game, okay? Yeah. It's 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 real. This is the real world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um so anyway, after that point, you get into a uh you get into a like a little dialogue tree with him where you can talk a little bit more about who he is, how he got his name, for example. Mm-hmm. And um there is another check that is legendary. And it is a legendary empathy check, which my natural empathy is one. Mm-hmm. And the empathy check is phrased, figure out what's going on with this kid. So I take a little break. I say, hey, I'll be back. I, I change my clothes up a little bit, put on a different jacket. <laughs> then I go to the pawn shop. There is like a person who runs the pawn shop was a civil servant that was irradiated after a uh, reactor meltdown. And he was prescribed this particular drug, like anti-radiation drug, that he takes, you know, for the rest of his life, but it has hallucinogenic properties. And I spotted it because I'm like, my electrochemistry, like, noticed Mm -hmm. that he was taking this drug. So I asked him for it. And he asked if I had ever done it, and I said, oh yeah, I like it. So then I I got that and I took it and it boosts your empathy. Okay. Mhm. So I come back and I um and then I do the empathy check. And basically the empathy check is Kuno is under like Kuno S's bad influence. She is like she is the driving factor even with his bit about saying that uh you were harming him. She's the reason why. If you want to get to know Kuno, you have to find a way to separate them. Um, and, and then the check even, like, in a metagamey moment, is very explicit to be like, you can still mess this up, but you're close. Yeah, so this is, as far as, so the first time I played the game, the, I went down this road, and this mm-hmm. is exactly how far I got. And then I messed this up. Mm. <laughs> So very, very curious about where this goes. So there are basically these tenants in, in like talking with Kuno after this point. You can, he's, it's, it's the Balthazar rules. You cannot tell him what to do. <laughs> Wait, hold on. So are you telling me a Balthazar has finally met another Balthazar? <laughs> I think so. Well, what happens? What happens? What when happens? One, when one Balthazar meets another. Weirdly enough, this is the second time in the show that Balthazar has met met another Balthazar. (laughs) (laughs) So, you can't tell him what to do. You can't threaten Kuno S. You can't insult him. Okay. So, you basically, you go to whisper to him, and then Kuno S is like, hey, what are you whispering about Kuno? And Kuno is like, you can't tell me what to do, Kuno S. I'll whisper with this cop pig all i want and once Mm. the once you start whispering with him you're safe you've now like broken through and you're talking to him independently of kuno s at that point Hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so at that point you get a couple of like interesting things he uh is trying to sell you some faln some like sports brand uh trousers and I get a discount from them. So I, I buy those for 15 So I'm wearing those now. What do they do nine. for you? Make you strong? 
oh yeah, it's uh, like hand-eye coordination and um, and like uh, physical instrument. Cool. Yeah, it's good. Um, and he tells me about the big score. He says he's got, he's, you know, he's got like a kilo, he says. And then he pulls out a tiny vial and he says, just like this. And I, and I look at it and I mean, so do you mean a gram? <laughs> because, because they're like the amount of like, uh, speed in the vial is minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he says, no, you know, it's, it's, this is a ton, you know, what are you talking about? So eventually he says, yeah, my dad, who's the most violent man in Martinez, he's, he's drunk all the time. He's high all the time. You know, he, he's this monster of a man, um, who's incredibly dangerous. He's got drugs too. And if you go there and get it, I'll split it with and my electrochemistry kicks in and is like, you, you need those drugs. You need to do it. And I, I have like several options to talk about like why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And one of them is like, I'm going to get it to, you know, confiscate it. And then parentheses lie. You really want it to do it. Or you can be honest to be like, yeah, you're right. I do need those drugs. Or you can say I'm getting it but I'm not giving it to you. And I just say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get it to do the drugs. Mm-hmm. So I do you that. And, you and Kuno are now best friends. Kuno and his best friend, the police officer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's exactly right. So mm-hmm. at that point, uh, you can go back to the apartment complex, which was handy because we were doing something else in the apartment complex this, uh, you know, this episode. Mm-hmm. And there is a locked door. Uh, door number 12 and you can, and Kim is with me the whole time. There were several points during the conversation where Kim just like, they like, he'll just enter. He won't interject, but like the text will just tell me Kim looks intently at the dumpster. You know, it's just like pretending he's not seeing this. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um, so I get to door number 12. I can chop the chain open with the, with the chain cutters or, you know, open the lock with the chain cutters. I get inside and it appears to be empty. I do find a vial of speed. And then I creep into the other room and there's several, like, uh, notices the game is giving me to warn me to, like, you know, you can stop right now. You don't have to go further. And eventually I pull away this blanket and there is just uh, a man there that is almost dead. He's barely breathing. And he he's just this... This uh, kind of testament to addiction. They're on the, they're on the bed, and uh, I can interact with him. And I just, uh, I pick the option where I like whisper into his ear, "I've taken your speed, old man." <laughs> so I do that, and then he murmurs something, and I can do a perception check to see what he murmurs. And at first, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to like hear what he says, but he he says, "You stupid pig." Dang. And Kim's like, oh, I think he got you. <laughs> and, and I think I take a morale damage after I, after I hear him call me a pig, like in, in his stupor. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I can uh, I can go back to Kuno and I give him the vial and he splits it. But the amount he gives me is like equal. He, he kind of says in the dialogue, oh, but I'll, I'll give you a little bit more than half. But I, I don't lose anything. Mm-hmm. Um 
And yeah, so we're good. I did initially be like, I'm keeping it all. And uh, the game like uh, warned me, hey, um, via Kuno, the game warned me, hey, if you do this, there's no going back. You're really gonna, you're really gonna mess mess something up. And I decide, you know what? I don't think my character would uh, would withhold the speed from Kuno. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I split it with him, and that was the end of the task. Oh, there is one more thing. There's this weird conversation that I think I am just not equipped for that happens afterwards. And, and there are no passive checks that I succeed, or at least if they happen, I never saw them. Mm-hmm. And after the, the conversation, I can, I can bring up and say, hey, I went into your apartment. And he's like, yeah, I know. There's several things in the apartment, like unpaid bills at the door. There's Kuno's homework on a desk that appears to be two years old. Mm-hmm. And I see that his name is like spelled with a K at the beginning with like two N's. It's like a different spelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can also talk about his dad and I do talk about his and I bring up the two other things and he's like yeah we don't care and I have these options of like of to say hey you need to you need to get out of there and I try it once and there just nothing happens he's like what are you talking about um, and I bring up his dad and he's like yeah he's so violent and and the only option that made sense to me to select is like yeah your your dad isn't any and so I think that if there were more checks, I, I think if I had more purple skills, I could imagine like a big wall of text coming up of like, you can see in your mind's eye, Kuno being abused his whole childhood. He's built his father up to be this monster. But in recent years, his father is barely able, you know, to, to function. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, even without that text, a very like, a very super sad and somber into this thing. There is one shivers check that I succeed at the very end of it, where I imagine in my mind's eye, like the pipe system, six, you know, the sewer system, six feet under Martinet. And I can picture two, uh, two rolled up um, sleeping bags and maybe a flashlight and, uh, you know, intimating that, Oh, this is where, this is where Kuno and Kuno S actually take shelter. I find out a little bit about the origin of Kuno S too. Um, and that he just found her soaking wet, like in a drain pipe one day. Hmm. And he says, yeah, she's really messed up. Like she's probably killed people. I would not uh, doubt that she's killed uh, pigs, he says. And he also like intimates, and this is something that, uh, was referenced, I can't remember, maybe talking with the um, die maker, but there are these broadcasts that are basically like snuff broadcasts. Yeah. Over she the, does, yeah, she does talk about that. Over the frequencies, right? Uh, and Kim even interjected at the time. It was like, oh yeah, there's a whole other division that takes care of those snuff broadcasts. And uh, Kuno says, oh yeah, Kuno S is obsessed with those particular snuff, like illegal snuff broadcasts. So, like, it's messed up. The whole, <laughs> the top to bottom. There's there's nothing else to say. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to know what to do with, right? Because on one hand, it's... I, well, I mean, I mean, maybe this is for you, right? Do you think this is effective? Like, what do you get out of this? Effective at what? 
like that's I, what I'm asking. I, yeah, I feel yeah. like I have to know the objective to know whether it was effective. Like in terms of what it actually accomplished, irrespective of what they wanted it to accomplish. I don't know. I, I I'm I guess I'm saying what does this produce in you, other than, or no, I not other than anything. What does this produce in you as a you know player? As, as a viewer, right? I mean, what do you think is being gone for here? Because there's one way of reading this that's just like, um, you know, like almost like pure poverty porn, right? Yeah. Like, look look at, you know, one cannot turn away in this video game space of, uh, you know, this fictional, abused, drug-addicted child who lives in a sewer. Um, you know, like, it, it's it's almost uh, comical. <laughs> and it's, it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, compiling all of these different things on top of one another, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, d- does this make you... I don't know. Here's I don't know. My, what does it do? For me, my... like, I, I have a very cynical, I think, no. uh, vibe about this. And I don't think that that's wrong. I think that here is my most generous take, and then I'll tell you just... I, I I won't even begin with the most generous take. It just, I don't think it quite works. But my most generous take is that there are a lot of characters in this game, including one that we're about to talk to literally next, mm-hmm. that represent a particular liberal point of view. Um, perhaps characters that kind of represent like the moral intern, this governing coalition mm-hmm. um, who seeks stability above all else. Yeah. And I think that some of this is, you know, Kuno and maybe like the condition of some of the people in the fishing village that we'll talk about next episode uh, are meant to represent just how bad Martinez is, right? Like they, they are the stand in for this is how awful poverty and, you know, the, these post-war eternal interregnum is this is this these are the conditions that this system has produced mm-hmm. right yeah if this is what success looks like yeah then then mm-hmm. oh buddy yeah <laughs> you know yeah i think sure. that but here's here's the thing i think i just said if 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 dot dot mm-hmm. dot you have mm-hmm. to fill in the then because i don't know if the game's going that far i think the character can go that far at the character's own like choice but yeah, I think that that's basically the only statement being made. It is just like, here are some examples of how messed up Martinez and Revachol is. Yeah. Period. Do with that what you will, is what, as far as, you know, that's the game's voice. Yep. No, yeah. I think that's right. I, I mean, I that's the similar vibe. I get, you know, obviously I've uh, played this game beyond this ex- existing playthrough that we're doing right now, and that's my similar vibe about the whole things that the the Kuno as a character runs into you know the brick wall of um I don't know like empathy in some ways right like you 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 have to feel sorry for the Kuno like at the end of the day the position that you can inhabit or it seems like the position you're intended to inhabit when looking at the Kuno is like damn isn't it bad that that happened. And that to me doesn't feel, I mean, that to me is like, you know, the core of liberalism some, in some ways, right? Uh, if only history had contingently worked out differently. Um, but also that's, I guess, the kind of the core of the game in a lot of ways is that, you know, we talked about this last time. Um, the cynical nature of the game. Well, I, I think even 
if when the game is not cynical, I think it still inhabits the spot, which is one, you know, history could have worked out uh, any other way and it didn't, right? Due to just the way things worked out. And two, history is always with us. That the the conflict that it, created Martinet is not over. Yes, that it is a long division problem that will always have a remainder that can yeah. never be squared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's up to the full communism builder <laughs> to, to resolve that. But yeah, I don't know. You know, I, and I think that in some ways, right, it's, you know, quote unquote, good art, right, to, to end on an ambiguity of like, there's really nowhere we can take the Kuno. We can't fix the Kuno's life. Kim tells us that kind of thing repeatedly, right? That, look, we, we can only do so much. You know, we can't recreate or, you know, create a new world here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're cops. We can only do so much. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, and maybe that I don't know and that unsettledness is a, um, is a positive thing because 99% of the time a video game would offer you a very clean solution here. Yes. I would say the vast majority of video games finds a character that wants to adopt. Right. Yeah, it, exactly. Yes. Yeah, that that is a a perfect like we you know we would find a uh, a local you know a boxing gym mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and the kuno would go there and actually that's you know built into the game right because uh, the dice maker explains to us that 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 boxing gym had the opposite effect of what it was intended to do because it was intended to uh, take youth off the streets and I think she just explains it made them good at fighting. <laughs> the uh, I remember the first time I was playing this. After I saw that line of dialogue about the boxing gym, my brain made the video game connection of like, oh, we're going to have to find somebody to start this boxing gym again and Kuno's going to go there and that will be the end of Kuno's quest. Mm -hmm. That's literally because, you know, that's video game logic. Um, And yeah, the video game, I don't know the alternate endings. I don't know if there's another way to like deal with Kuno. I can look that up, but... The, at least the way it must end with my character is absolutely nothing is solved. You know, the, the, yeah. Kuno, Kuno is who he is. He was produced by a set of material conditions that remain unchanged, and therefore Kuno cannot change. Yeah. Uh, Which, a, a pretty strict and hardcore materialist, um, you know, kind of view of the thing. Mm-hmm. Which, again, very unique in video games. I wouldn't say that many video games are going for that. And I wouldn't say that, you know, in case people are like, oh, I can't believe you're trashing the game. I, I, you know, none of this, like, thinking and discussion that we're doing is intended to be like, oh, this game has made a massive failure. It's We're just literally analyzing and talking about the game. And I think that, you know, I, the, the, the things that this game um, and the perspectives that this game is opening us up to in the sense of like, maybe a heroic character doesn't need to be able to fix everything. Maybe mm-hmm. there are certain things that you can't have a fantasy of fixing. Um, that's probably good in a general sense for games. I, I don't think that's a, a bad thing at all. Yeah, it's doing a different thing. We're just observing it. But yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you get up to more stuff in the apartment complex, though? Yeah, I did. So I uh, didn't get in via the smoking guy. And so I had to like run around and figure it out. Um, You can actually go in. uh, You can get into the same complex just on the other side, kind of on the the western end um, over by Joyce Messier. 
And so I go in that door and I like bang on the door and uh, a cleaning lady is yelling at me through the door and telling me to shut up and quit <laughs> banging on the door. And I repeatedly just say like, oh, excuse me. I repeatedly say like, listen, I'm a police officer. You have to let me in. And she's mm -hmm. like, I don't want to. People say this all the time. I'm not going to be responsible for people getting in this building. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm a police officer. You have to let me in. And I was like, I'm going to arrest you if you don't. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually she let me in. And I had to lie, too. I was like, I'll show you my badge. I've got it right here. <laughs> that won't be a problem. And uh, luckily, she didn't care to see it. But she let me in. And basically, you know, this is a very similar interior space to the uh, doomed commercial district. Yes. In the sense of like, it's just, you know, a bunch of rooms and you can kind of walk your way around. I would say about half of them are occupied in some form or capacity. Um, and I literally, because Kim Kitsuragi's not with me, so I'm just doing whatever the hell I want. And a lot of that has to do with just kicking doors down mm -hmm. and and breaking into breaking into uh, people's homes. And so um, uh, one that I went into was um, a very small apartment, and the person who was in there was a communist. Ah, um, but they weren't there, right? They were not there. But they uh, there was a bust of a figure named Krasmazov. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Kras, Kras or Kras? I don't know. Kras Mazov mm -hmm. uh, is a, uh, he's Karl Marx. Yes. It's the, the bus looks, even looks like Karl Marx. Yeah, he's just Karl Marx. Mm -hmm. And um, I, so I have something in my brain, in my thought cabinet called uh, Mazovian social economics. Mm -hmm. That That's my like uh, communism thing. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of knew a little bit about it already, um, and uh, and yeah. So I I looked at it and I kind of looked around and saw his different stuff. He had some like clothes that were like nice clothes. I think there's a little bit of like I don't know champagne socialist critique mm -hmm. going on here of like look at this wealthy person, but also notable, living in a notable that like in the Disco Elysium universe here in Revachol, uh the symbol associated with communism seems to be that white pentagram like that white star so white star with antlers yeah mm -hmm. um but oh but anyway so nice clothes but very small apartment and, mm -hmm. and well you know lo looks nice too but yeah absolutely something that's very interesting to me uh is that uh you know once the disco Elysium final cut was announced the other day they also announced a merch store and the merch store has a whole bunch of merch you can buy that has the white star and the antlers on it Mm -hmm. So you can buy a, a t-shirt with that on it now if you want. Are you going to wear that t-shirt? No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not really. I'm not really a video game t-shirt guy. Um, what if, look what if your partner gets you that for Christmas? Uh, she would not do that. Would you wear it to be polite? No. Dang. That's not me. That's not. Mm -hmm. I'm not a. I'm not a wear clothes you bought me to be polite kind of guy. That's not well. Y'all heard it. Sorry. There was a big conspiracy on and the alt like the range touch discord that you're not in. Oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> the other about, one, just where we we only talk about you. That's there's mm -hmm. only one channel. And the clothes that I'm wearing, and why I would wear them, and what the logic, and and my uh, disposition toward gifts. Yes. Um, <laughs> important <laughs> for the secret Santa. Well, we, I, very very important. Um, the gift exchange, I think you mean. There you go. Uh, the, uh, I'm trying to look here for other stuff. Um, I had another check that happens here. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So I looked at the statue of Kraz, Kraz uh, Mazov, but then I came out. I didn't really have much much to do. Um, and when I walked by um, a, there was like a, a painting on the wall. Someone had like stenciled on the wall the star and antlers, mm-hmm. and I was able to look at it and I recognized it. You know, of course, as the kind of communism symbol. And I had this like uh, internal moment where I was like, like communism is broken. And I'm the big communism builder, and it's, like, up to me to do it. You've got to fix it. I've got to Like, it's all up to me. You're like the Bob the Builder of communism. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a little bit of ambient, you know, uh, reaction. And I'm not sure if that has to do with me having internalized Mazovian uh, socioeconomics <laughs> or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I did that. Um kind of walked around a little bit too i didn't knock on or i knocked on other people's doors but i couldn't open any other doors mm-hmm. and i eventually made my way up to uh, the smoking man's apartment yeah interesting you're gonna talk to him without kim yep no kim that's gonna be interesting why is that i don't know i had several um you know when he left you know he he kind of says hey my sunday friend is here Mm -hmm. And he mentioned in the first conversation with him that, uh, you know, he was with his Sunday friend when the the man was hanged. He did not tell me that. Oh, interesting. Oh, we had different first conversations then. Yeah, I think when I had a conversation with him, I was like, hey, hey, you. And he just walked away. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I had a, a very brief conversation where I determined that he and his Sunday friend were here on the night of the murder, which is why I was following up with him. Mm-hmm. I, I think I just knew that, or just assumed that they had information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he briefly says, hey, my Sunday friend's inside my room, but I've got to get going. And, and I say mm-hmm. something like, oh, there's just something different about you. And, and I got Kim- shivers here. Okay. Or maybe a half light. Did you get this? I can't, it depends on what it is, go and tell it, it, It's like uh, something to the effect of uh, a man come, comes out of uh, a, a smoky bar or a club, yeah. yes, with on kind of heels. high heels, and he, yeah. feels the, he feels like the air around him, and he's also under the influence of some chemicals. Yeah, you, like, you feel it surge through his body. Yes. Yeah. And so we get a sense that like he's going to the city, and uh, or you know to a more populated part of the city, I guess. And is going to, like, be part of the nightlife there. Yes. But anyway, so I say, oh, there's just something different about you. And he says, oh, well, I'm, I'm about to leave. I'm sorry. And uh, there were several, like, mundane conversation options to, like, say goodbye to him. Mm-hmm. And the one I picked was, well, just please, you know, promise me that I'll see you again. And Kim is just, like, laughing. He's, like, barely holding, holding back a laugh. And you can ask him to be like, hey, what's the deal with that guy? And and Kim's like, I, I'm, I'm no comment. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what I didn't get access to um, when I was talking to him was apparently there is a different dialogue option that I could have chosen um, that would have tested my like composure, which I'm sure I would have succeeded because it's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, if you do that, you realize that this man is gay. That is literally all it is about. It's about like discerning the orientation of the smoking man. Mm-hmm. And apparently, if you do that, 
you get a thought about gayness, like in your thought cabinet that you can research. Mm -hmm. And the reward for doing so is you can then talk about Kim, talk to Kim about Kim's sexuality. Dang. Yeah. You really missed out. I know, I know. I, and and I would have, I, I knew that there was something going on from my first playthrough. So I wanted to like do something different, which is what I did. I just didn't pick the right thing to kind of get that, get that check. So that's how it goes. You know, it's the same thing about like that copper type dialogue that you had early on. Yeah. And there are just a lot of ways in this game and like very narrow time frames where things can come up. Uh, where you can miss out on things like on thought cabinet stuff. Um, but yeah, that's just how it rolled. Um, in any case, so I get no information from the smoking man. Do you? Yeah, it's unfortunate that you can miss some of those things. Coppa types still haven't showed up for me. So so your coppa type showed up and you had, did, did it give you like a range of options of coppa types to choose? Yes. Yeah. It was basically like, oh, you're trying to figure out what kind of cop you are. And I, I, I had clicked on one and I was like, oh, I don't want to go down this road. I want to go backward. And I, instead of going backward in the thing, I just turned it off. I think. Like opted out. You know, yeah. it's interesting because I, I wonder whether if you can. So here's another thing. You don't have your journal. Correct. Because you, you want, never you want to talk about that? You want to talk yeah, about that? I think my we lack need to talk about it. So you, um, your first task in this game is investigate the murder, and you go out and there's a giant dumpster next to a corpse, and yep. you don't think that opening that's a good idea. I just didn't think about it. It didn't show up. Like it wasn't uh it it did not seem important. Mm. I mean, no one mentioned I mean, maybe someone like passively mentioned it. Are you it, saying but... no one told you? <sighs> I'm just saying. There's one representative of the state who doesn't have amnesia in mm -hmm. my adventuring party. Mm -hmm. And they told me we need to solve this crime. And I was moving pretty good solving this crime without looking at that dumpster. So I never looked in the dumpster. There you go. Well, I do think that I was I was reading a little bit online because I was wondering whether or not anybody's ever had the experience you're having, which is not only do you not have your journal, you aren't even able to like get the keys from Garth, the cafeteria manager, to open the dumpster where your journal is, right? Correct. And I thought, this is weird if you just get locked out of your journal after day one or whatever. Yes. So I did look it up. And I do, if you can get that journal, I wonder if that will prompt another type thing for happening, you know, to happen. Yeah, so basically, uh, for for the the viewer listener at home, uh, what has happened is that I went this episode, actually after the episode, to because I thought, oh, I gotta go get my journal. Um, uh, I went to go and open it, and it's giving me the prompt, or it's saying, "Hey, you can't get this open. You should talk to someone, uh, you know, the proprietor of this establishment, in order to uh, get the keys." And I said, "All right, that sounds good." And I go to talk to Gart, and he will not give me the keys. And that's because there is no uh, task being triggered in my, you know, there's no quest that is putting me along the route to do it. It could mm. be due, due to the time of day that I'm in. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm open to that. It could be because Kim is not with me. I'm open to that. So I could be saying all of this in the next episode when we record, I'll be able to do it immediately. But currently at the time of day that I'm in and, and the situation I'm in, I cannot get it and report what is in there. So mm -hmm. I'm okay. sorry. Yep. No, 
You don't have to apologize, but it it sucks for you. Well, it's a, we'll figure it out. We'll mm-hmm. we'll get there. But uh, the uh, I you know I didn't have any of that kind of conversation with the uh, the smoking man. He basically was like, "Hey, I'm leaving," and I was like, "Are you sure you're leaving?" And he was like, "Yeah." And then he does. He zips on out of there and mm-hmm. uh, says, "But you should go in and talk to my Sunday friend." Mm-hmm. And I go in and I meet a dude. His name is Charles uh, Villadroin. Mm-hmm. Got Villadroin. maybe a Belgian accent, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know, I don't know, I don't know my Central European accents well enough. But mm-hmm. um, he he works for the coalition. He's part of the moral intern, the moralist international. And uh, he explains to me that he uh, works in the office of price stability. And that's what he's doing. And I'm like, well, if you work for the, the coalition and you work in price stability, what are you doing in Martinez? And he's like, well, the most important thing is about, you know, economics, right, is mm-hmm. ensuring price stability at uh, an inflation rate of 2%. Not not less, not more, just 2%. Just under. You want mm-hmm. it just under 2%. Because, you know, that means that uh, people can afford to buy bread, and bread is the, you know, uh, and it's like monetarily worthwhile for producers to make bread. And I've, but I'm like, well, but still, why are you here? And he's like, well, it matters everywhere. You have to monitor <laughs> it everywhere because it's all part of one system. Mm-hmm. You know, price stability here and over here, you got to check them both to make sure that they're that they're right there. Yeah. And and then he says uh, price stability is the highest concern of the moral intern because uh, it ensures social stability. Yes. And social stability is the number one priority of the moral intern. Um, it, 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 uh, he's, uh, and he explicitly says, you know, I'm a moralist and here I've already had Kim explain the, uh, moralist philosophy to me one time. And he mm-hmm. says he used to be a moralist, but maybe is less now than he used to be. Um, but a moralist is just, it's liberalism, right? And like the political philosophy of liberalism as we understand it, um, in the contemporary period. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, property rights, and representative democracy is kind of a, a, an implied part of that. And then markets. Yes. Right? And like all cent- those things. But the central tenet underlying it all is that individuals, you know, kind of atomically independent mm-hmm. of anything else, will seek out uh, their personal kind of, you know, satisfaction. They will seek out their own personal needs. And if you just have like a big collection of everybody doing that, Eventually, you'll just you'll just get to an optimal state, mm-hmm. and you gotta have someone managing a little bit, right? No, oh yeah, you well, know you gotta have someone. If I'm if I'm you know interfering with those other atoms in some way, if I'm trying to like you know control a market so that uh, you know even though people want to produce or, or demand one thing, if I want to like do any of that, oh, it'll mess up the whole system. It'll create instability. Mm-hmm. And so, and that is you know the kind of logic of the um, of the moral intern. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it does. It manages the it backs the market in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says that the moralists believe in a normal, a normal, stable world governed by democratic values. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that this character is really making it explicit that the moral intern um, and the coalition, are, you know, basically function like the EU. Um, you know, they are a um, 
uh, projection mechanism for these things, uh, for these values, and they are a uh, um, uh, like a governing body for them, right? They manage the world in such a way that these values can proliferate. Mm-hmm. And we got to keep, I mean, it's exactly what you were saying before, right? The, the, uh, for every uh, Sunday friend in the apartment is a kuno in the courtyard. Yes. And like those things have to be kept because he is here. Kuno is down there. Right. So, and I think that if we're reading the the game as intended, these two things cannot be, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, regarded independent. Exactly. Right. They are not independent phenomena. They are happening because of the same structural process. So you kind of brought the conversation up to the same point I had when he was like, yes, you asked him, are you a moralist? And he's like, well, of course. Mm -hmm. the next thing I did was ask him, Kim, what are you? (laughs) Kim's not with me. So I can't, I can't ask him. What did, what did, what does Kim say? Kim, like there's a, there's like an uncomfortable silence. And Kim says, I am a Lieutenant in the RCM. (laughs) Very, very political. And then, and then the, uh, the price stability guy responds. That's a very moralist answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I am my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? How did you respond to that? Did you like identify or like delve into moralism and have an opinion about it? No, I just told him it was a bunch of bullshit and oh. that we needed to have nationalism and communism. Uh, I actually explicitly said something nationalist. I oh, I said uh, this is how I got there. Actually, let me tell you another thing that you certainly didn't experience, but I did. Okay. So I so I said, oh, you work for the moral intern, huh? And you said, yeah, of course. And I said, would you be interested in a corporate spy? By any chance? Dang. Yeah, and he was like, oh, yeah. I mean, we take that very seriously. He's, he's, and he explains, like, that's in code one, you know, of of our kind of, like, laws is corporate espionage, which is very mm-hmm. funny. Of course. Um, you know, Not they, genocide's code two. Yeah, exactly, basically. <laughs> the, the interference with the market and interference, interference with business is, like, you know, their number one priority. But anyway, so we kind of go down this road, and I was like, yeah, her name is Klausia. She is at the station. Um, and she is, you know, I, I have it on good authority that she has done this. And he was like, oh, you know, I really appreciate that. I'm going to handle it. And the game even explicitly says, look, if you, there's no going back from this. If you turn her into this guy, what might have happened to her is definitely going to happen. You know, she, she, something bad's going to happen to Klausia. So I get, you know, I'm playing the cop, right? And so I like go all the way to the bone and I, I tell him, um, but the, uh, interesting thing about it is that he says, you know, that's a good thing that you did, you know, for the moral intern, for the, the, the betterment of the coalition. And I said, I didn't do it for the coalition. You know, I'm do I did it for Revishal cause I'm a nationalist. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I did it for Revishal and he says, Oh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, what did you say? You like asked for a clarification. <laughs> And I called, I said, I did it for Revishal, you frog eater. So, like, I, like, double down on, like, nationalism and this kind of, like, passive racism, mm-hmm. passive, passive ethnic, I don't know, uh, conflict that's going on here. And I took a uh, morale hit for saying that. Dang. Um, because of something, uh, we're going to talk about our, th- our thought cabinet at the end of this episode, but because I have something called a Revisholian nationhood, mm-hmm. I actually take a hit to my morale every time I talk about, every time I say something nationalist. 
So it hurts me every time I am a nationalist. Is oh, but it, it's because like in development, like it hasn't matured. No, it is matured. I'll explain it when we get there. Oh, okay. that's what's happening to me. <laughs> All right, yeah. that's bizarre. Yeah, um, and so should... that was kind of it. I mean, I the, just into the conversation as I said, I asked him about the um, the uh, what do you call it the the hanging that happened. And he doesn't give me any information. I don't know to be frank. He actually doesn't see very much. He says there wasn't a lot of, of sound. I imagine this might have given me some leverage with Claudia or Titus earlier. It would have been more information for that. Mm. But I didn't learn anything that um, that kind of impacts where I am in the case right now. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely think there's an alternate way to play this where you do all of the side quests first. Mm-hmm. And then after you've like fully cashed out the the area and there's kind of there's no more there, there's, you know, you, you can't milk it anymore you go and you talk to titus and you have all of this extra information to help with a couple of checks but Mm -hmm. not the way we did it (laughs) but uh i remember in the conversation with this fellow i was just asked okay well could you explain it could you explain like what uh moralism is Mm -hmm. and he kind of talks about it and he says well what do you think and there are all the the all the little pieces of the ideological buffet available Mm -hmm. to me yeah and I just said, that sounds boring. <laughs> this is where I was able to say, like, oh, it's just, you know, it's <laughs> avoiding the... I, I think I said in this in this situation, my dialogue option was something like, it placates the, social, the, the basic socialists so that the hardline communists can come along. Something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I say, yeah, it sounds boring. He's like, you're only, you know, what, what do you mean boring? And I was like, I don't know, it's just... It just doesn't seem exciting. And he's like, don't you value stability? And I was like, well, not really. And he's like, you only say that because you don't, you haven't seen the alternative. Hmm. So there you go. I'm pretty, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty uh, politically oblivious rock star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, but you haven't sung karaoke yet. I have not okay. because I haven't found the perfect tape yet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I did here uh, is that I talked to Renee because that's kind of the end of the conversation with that guy. He yeah. actually explicitly says, hey, do you want to say anything else to me? Because I'm leaving. If- yeah, you get one shot at this conversation. If you leave the room, he is gone. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I left the room and mm-hmm. uh, he was gone. Something interesting that you can get here is you can get a like a satin... Um, uh, like nightgown or or like a kimono, I guess. It's yes. kind of unclear which of those it is to me. Is decorated uh, in like an Asian style, um, but I don't know. It, the moral intern guy actually says that it's uh, he finds it uh, like lightly offensive or something. And it's a little also... culturally offensive. He says <laughs> it's yes. very interesting because the item description of that, which I wore for a little bit because I, the stats were lining up with what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um. The the item description like explicitly says, yeah, a lot of people uh, think this is culturally offensive. And then the next uh, clause is, but to be honest, most Soleils don't have an opinion about it. So the game is making a very clear um, like statement that the game itself regards a lot of discourse around like cultural appropriation and clothing as... As in some way invalid, as if like, well, the 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 game's statement is, oh, the proposed victims of this don't actually care. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's also kind of like a like a hat here too. Yes. Um which like it just in, in a complete red herring gives plus 1 to logic and like the the justification for plus 1 to logic is well this is incredibly logical to wear. Great. It's literally a sarcasm bonus. Mm-hmm. There's a Great. there's a lot of this in this game. Mhm. Um but that's all you can really do here uh and then I went and talked to Renee who you've already talked to that he's playing Patonk mm-hmm. uh, and uh, with with his buddy uh, Gaston. And he, kind of the similar stuff to what you talked about in the last episode, although I didn't actually get his kind of war hero story. Mm, you had um, to do like a composure test and, and like and kind of analyze, you know, what makes this guy stand up so straight and tall? And that's when you notice your, his medals and you can ask about the medals. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, what, what, the, actually, the the part about this, well, I guess uh, let me let me say the, the part that like actually matters. So he really is just here, I think, as a figure to like fill out the history of the region. If yes. you haven't found that otherwise, because exactly as you were saying last time, he kind of tells you extensively about the uh, the suzerain su- suzerainty um, that existed before the revolution. Uh, you know, he fought against the communists uh, in um, the the war. Um, and he's really pissed off that the coalition came in and kind of defeated them and defeated all their work, um, you know, in, in order to be occupied. I mean, he is also a nationalist. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so we have that kind of conversation. He fills in a lot of, of uh, information. He tells me about uh, the Philippe, the suzerain that is in the exploded statue uh you know over on the right of the screen on the eastern mm-hmm. side of the map and he tells me explicitly that that suzerainty was defined by cocaine usage that allowed philippe to like access higher realms yeah and completely straight faced he is completely yes. down with because you know if the king does it it's moral mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and then but what i really loved about it this like extra bit of writing here is that he calls it regnum cocainum yes <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was really great mm-hmm. um but as, yeah, exactly as you're saying, right, as like a political theory, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's something that is beneficial and useful. And uh, I was able to say, like, you know, I don't know if doing cocaine's good for you. You know, I'm I'm playing that kind of cop. Um, Not a lot interesting here uh, other than this. I mean, this is part of one of the places where what I was talking about earlier, where the idea that history is not over, right? These conflicts have not ended. Um, history, this history of conflict is with us in every single moment. He is the person who works in the guard tower in uh, um, that we were able to explore a little bit on the on the harbor wall. Mm-hmm. And the reason what we what I learned is that the reason he works there is that he is a decorated war hero. And Everard Clare thought it was bad optics, basically, for a war hero to be collecting trash. Yes. You know, to, to, to make, you know, collecting cans and bottles to, like, make ends meet. Because he can't live off of the pension that he gets from, um, you know, having served in the war. And so he's got this, like, honorary position. And, and you can have, like, real responses to this. And, uh, you know, I'm carrying my plastic bag around all the time. And I just chose the option that was like, there's nothing wrong with collecting trash. No, I, no shame in that. That's what I do. And they're both like, yeah, that's that's not the point. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not what we were saying. 
Um, but you can get the sense of like, oh, you, you know, the 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 people who were, uh, you know, lived under the suzerain and fought for it, they're still here. The communists, they're still here in different forms, right? Just like that. Uh, the they're still that we saw. here, but not. I, th I think that the implication is not in the same way. There are communists ideologically, but as far as the uh, as far as like the soldiers that fought in the war, they were executed. It's the, yeah, it's, it's oh, like, yeah, yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. More what I mean by that, right, is that all of these things are still kicking around, right? Yes. And we learned from someone. I learned from someone this episode that the communists, the communards, never surrendered. They never lost. Yes, um, I think it actually might have been from Renee, Renee here, right? But the, mm -hmm. I, but they just morphed into part of this government. Uh, governmental structure and you know when we learned about the rcm from um from kim earlier in the game he says that explicitly right or, or i had a thought that was that was about how there's a debate about whether the moral intern the coalition whether the coalition or the communards invented the rcm and that's yes. like you know you take a position on that as a as a um police officer so you know there's this kind of idea that that if you haven't picked it up already that you really get clearly from renee that all the pieces of the conflict that that was live at, at that earlier point all the pieces are still you know kicking around um and you know there's that they, they are constantly having an impact on the present Yes. Um, the other thing I was able to do here was show them the gun that I found in the basement of the um, Doom commercial area. Mm -hmm. And they're like, look, this thing would never fire. But yeah, absolutely. Everyone had some stashed weaponry back then, you know, mm -hmm. whether you were a, a, a communist or a, a royalist. So, you know, this stuff's still kicking around. Probably not a lot of it's going to be useful, though. Mm -hmm. But and I haven't had the ability to think about that yet. But I, obviously, this ties into our case. That, yes, that there, there, that we know that there are lots of weapons just hanging out in Martinez. Mm -hmm. You on your playthrough, you don't necessarily have insight as to the kind of weapon or bullet that was used to kill the victim. Yeah, right. No, I have mm -hmm. no idea. Yeah, I guess We're, I could call on the radio. That would be interesting. Maybe next episode you can mm -hmm. give the the radio a call because they do have the corpse. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That'd be interesting. Well, I don't have the car right now, so I can't do it. I gotta wait till Kim uh, gets back. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Kim's left you twice. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> Real different experience. Where otherwise, uh, Kim's just following me around as I break into people's houses to like get kids speed. <laughs> it's it's wild. I don't. And here's the thing. I knew that I could like go to my room and if you go in your room after nine kim's like good night and you can like do stuff without him yeah which like the one of the loading screens gives you that hint mm -hmm. but i've just consciously not been hiding anything from kim yeah i wish that i had hid some stuff in retrospect like i wish that i'd hid doing the task for claire opening that door mm -hmm. i wish i'd done that solo but you know mm -hmm. so how many things are in your thought cabinet? Because I, I do feel like people have a pretty good idea on like the attributes our characters have. And yep. they've got a pretty idea about like their ideological leanings. But there's this other thing. There's basically an alternate form of progression in the game. Um, that is the thought cabinet. Like you can use your levels to increase these attributes, these abilities. 
or you can use them to unlock slots for thought cabinet thoughts. Yep. Mm-hmm. What um, you got going on? So I've got, uh, I don't think, this is not you know in order of when I got them, but this is the order mm-hmm. I wrote them down. Um, I have date of birth generator. Mm-hmm. I wondered when I was born. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am 44 years old. Mm-hmm. Just FYI. Um, uh, I was born in the last year of the commune. Um, and yeah, so it gives me, um, uh, it increases my uh, learning cap for logic. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a uh, minus one difficulty for all physique passives. Apparently I'm looking at the disco Elysium wiki mm-hmm. for these. Um, but yeah, so I, I've got that. So I know when I was born, I have, um, and I've forgotten a couple things too. So I like got rid of my feminist agenda to make some room for something else. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm forgetting things occasionally. Um, I have lonesome long way home. Um, mm-hmm. I got this because I think I was just like trying to think about when I was like where I am from. Yes. Like, like where am I from? I have amnesia. Um, it, uh, gave me, um, a learning cap increase for perception. And, uh, if I use speed, I can get, uh, more, uh, psychic ability, more purple, mm-hmm. but I don't use speed. So it doesn't help me in any way. There you go. Increases the cap. That's all. Yep. So I am, uh, I'm, I live somewhere called 11 Voyager Road, or I used to live somewhere there. You no longer live there. Those times are gone, and so are those people. Why did you come here? Why are you still here? And where's the dealer? You have to go back to work. That's all you have now. So this thought in its kind of completion is leading you right back down the road of like, I think I should probably do some drugs. Mm. Um, I've got Revisholian Nationhood. I want to read this whole thing because it's it's quite interesting, right? So this is like pretty explicitly just fascism, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This is the problem. So every thought in the thought catalog has a problem. This is the thing you're thinking about, and it has a solution. This is where you've landed. Um, Yes, and each each one has a research time where basically you have to turn it on, mm -hmm. and it's active, and you don't get the solution until the research time elapses. Exactly. Um, So here's the problem. They fucked this place. Revishal is in ruins. Uh, the the some racial slurs. <laughs> um, they fucked it. Uh, Iranis, liberals, and Vespertine money lenders too. They're all socialists, especially the women. Uh, and the another racial slur. You only have a vague idea of what this means, but it's clear that a str- good, strong state must be erected upon the ruins. If any of us are to have a future, the shadowy outlines of the state start forming every time you close your eyes. Right, so there's this idea that I, I'm thinking about the idea of a fascist nationhood, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 like a, I, I mean, explicitly an ethno nationalism uh, solution. The Revisholian state will be a serene place. Parentheses, you should get a drink. A beautiful, serene place of mystery and peace. It will not be a place for women to infect with their frailty and hysterics or where the Simonese will be allowed to wear their pants around their ankles. So, I mean, think about that. Uh, all of that will go. Uh, parentheses, once you get a drink. The socialist professors of the École Supérieure will be fired. The editors of the Trompe Le Monde will have to beg in the streets. You'll pour your beer into their begging hats and laugh. Open parentheses, you should get a beer. Close parentheses. And so the the idea here, right, is like I, I have like these, uh, you know, racist lorry driver thoughts in my head. And my solution is like 
this pure, flat, fascist, nationalist state. That, uh, machismo, populist, because you're talking about like intellectuals and mm-hmm. media types being, mm-hmm. being swept aside. And racist. Right? And racist, you know, Explicitly, yeah. right? I mean, this, uh, the Simonese are, are associated with like anti-black racism here re- repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously this wear their pants around their ankles thing is some horseshit you hear from white supremacists all the time mm-hmm. now uh, in our world. So there's a, a very direct linkage being given here. But what I find so interesting about it is, um, you know, obviously the solution here is like, ah, oh, yes, the, the, the evil utopia. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the completion bonus, right. Alcohol gives me too physical. So alcohol makes me stronger. Um, and nationalist dialogue options damage me one morale every time I take them. And I don't know what to do with that. That's So it's basically alcohol gives you back morale. No, it makes me stronger. This doesn't make sense. Well, I think that makes sense, right? Because, it, like, I am... Um, uh, yeah, because FYS is physical, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I think that makes sense because the, the, the solution here is like, I am like uh, burying myself in alcohol, drowning in alcohol in order to facilitate this like utopian vision of the world to come where mm-hmm. like I will be perfect and everyone else is bad, right? But the, so, the part that doesn't make sense is if you are a fascist, why does it, hurt your morale to espouse fascism so here's i think what what's going on here mm-hmm. i think the the kind of procedural rhetoric here like the you know the argument of the machine uh, that is the game system is that uh because that world isn't here it's almost like a longing so like mm. i say these nationalist dialogue options but i know it's not here right like i know that that is not it just occurring. reminds you of the disappointment of the world kind of i think I, I mean, that's what, how I'm reading the thing. Um, and the reason I'm kind of digging into this, where we haven't really dug into very many of these other ones, the reason I'm kind of digging into this, right, is, again, I'm playing this character in this way to figure out what the game is saying here. And I think that there's almost like a, this is, you know, the solution is like a melancholy nationalist in some ways, right? That, that nationalists are, in this context, are meant to be pitied. Um, that that they are just like hurting on the inside, thinking these thoughts and having these ideas about the world that will never be there. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, I mean, well, not obviously, this could occur. And ethno-nationalism has it as a project in countries all around the world, as well as in the fiction. Um, so, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm a little um, the kind of open-endedness here on nationhood of not taking a strong position around it. I don't, I don't take this as a strong position. Um, it, I don't know. I left a lot to be desired for me here. Well, uh, and also uh, it runs immediately against your concept of a character, which is a teetotaler fascist. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not able to, to do the, <laughs> the it alcohol really is part. all downside for you. It's all downside, which in real life, here's the simulation. Nationalism is all downside. So that's true. You know, um, the other thing that I have here is uh, Mesovian social economics, uh, mm, socioeconomics. Which is another interesting thing because your nationalism is explicitly calling out socialism. But maybe you could carve out some kind of, oh, well, the nationalist would talk, be disparaging socialist but not communism. 
Uh, I Question mean, mark? You, you, uh, yeah, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Let's not think too hard about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, here, here's Mazovian social economics or socioeconomics. Here's the problem. People think communism was some crazy idea that had its comeuppance 40 years ago, a fever that shook the world never to return again. They were right until he woke up today, a spiritual corpse responsive only to the call of Commodore Red, prostitutes, and Kras Mazov. For him, communism is still a thing. He will single-handedly raise the commune of O2 from the oceanic trench where it has been resting, covered in ghosts and seaweed. He is the big communism builder. Come, witness his attempt to rebuild communism in the year 51. Burn. Uh So that's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that I exist <laughs> in this way. Solution: zero point zero 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 percent of communism has ever been built. Evil child murdering billionaires still rule the world with a shit eating grin. All he has managed to do is make himself sad. He is starting to suspect Krasmazov fucked him over personally with his socioeconomic theory. It has, however, made him into a very very smart boy with something like a university degree in truth. Instead of building communism, he now builds a precise model of this grotesque, duplicitous world. Mm-hmm. So completion gives me negative one authority, negative one visual calculus, um, and uh, left-wing dialogue options give me experience points. Um, and the negative one visual calculus is attached to a description called reaction, reaction everywhere, which is explicitly saying because I've internalized the socioeconomic system, I can't see the world how it is, and I'm blinded by ideology. I can only see uh, you <laughs> know, reactionary politics. That basically you are so distracted by ideology that you just can't think, see things like physics. You can't mm-hmm. you can't like estimate where a ball will land because basically. you're like looking you're looking at the wall and you're noticing something that reminds you of ideology. Yeah. And what, what's interesting here, I think, about these two, about the, the nationalism and the the socio, the communism here, is that both of them in their solution are basically like, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, 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 I was not trying to, in the last episode, right, I said sometimes you can read the, the kind of uh, systemic ideology of this game as kind of a South Park episode, right? Yes. Everyone who believes anything is an idiot. And it's really hard to read these and not get that exact kind of vibe that, like, if you go too far down nationalism, I mean, nationalism is bad. Like, I'm not in no way apologizing for that. But the logic is you go too far down that road and, you know, it's a self-eating system that makes you depressed. Mm -hmm. For communism here, if you go too far down that road, if you make, uh, you know, if you learn too much about it, you're not going to make the world better and you're just going to be depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious about your kind of political ideologies, if you've delved into any of them, um, because it seems like the game is just saying any political ideology is just going to make you depressed. Yeah, and, and actually it's very consistent because even advanced race theory, the conclusion is this doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, you know, if we're being like, you know, uh, if we're trying to like read the game in a leftist way, we can be like, ho, 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 the nationalism just makes you depressed and it's bad. Boom. Uh, if, uh, you know, uh, if, uh, racism doesn't make sense and it's bad, boom. And then we get to communism and it's like, it doesn't make sense and it makes you depressed and it's bad. And I'm wondering if the kind of moralist or whatever interpretations, you know, the other political ideologies that are available to you, I mean, you know, does the game systemically come to a place where any kind of ideology is good or is it the case where all ideologies, right, are bad? 
Uh, and when we say the game is like doing interesting things around, you know, giving you racist options or giving you nationalist options or giving you communist options or capitalist ones or whatever, are we really just saying that our particular slice of the game that we saw was interesting or not? Sure, you know, sure. As opposed to what the game on the whole is doing. So before I address mine, do you have any other thoughts in your thoughts, Captain? Uh, I've got advanced race theory, but we did a whole We've already episode talked basically about on that. it. Yeah. yeah. So I've got two that you do have. I, I did date of birth generator and lonesome long way home. Because mm-hmm. it seemed like, you know, integral things to just figure out who I was. Mm-hmm. I have uh, Aces High, uh, which I got after uh, high-fiving. Um, oh, actually, no. I, I have Aces Low, hmm. um, which I got after high-fiving um, Kim. So Aces High was the initial high-five. Mm-hmm. But if you go for the low, which is to, like, after you high-five, windmill your arm back down... Uh, mm-hmm. And wait for uh, like the, the aces low behind your back. You get aces low, and that was just me kind of, you know, thinking about that tradition and how it was used in the uh, in the Civil War, um, and it saw use among like airship pilots, right? Hmm. Um, and the solution was like, hey, maybe you should ask him about like the cargo pants and and his like bomber jacket. And the completion was plus two empathy with Kim and plus one esprit de corps. Hmm. I got bankruptcy sequence from the mega rich light bending guy. And uh, the problem was business loves silence. The second loudest sound in the world eclipsed only by the collective screams of market crash victims. So let me whisper to you. Do you feel the veil of the sun god slipping? Are the better days gone? Are we entering bankruptcy? Is the company going to go down and leave you in the gutter with the rest of the dredges delivering parcels for soup money? You need to crisis manage your way out of this. And I got this problem specifically because I pitched him an idea. I had no idea what to pitch him. So I was just like, (laughs) you need to invest in the RCM. And he shot me down. And so like this, this, you know, problem pops up. Solution. It's easy. You just need to move on. Like a plague of locusts, like a fucking plague. Failure is a core tenet of liberalism. When life closes door, it opens a window. And if the fall is too steep, use the fire exit. Run to the roof. You always have that air shop in the dock. The most important thing is to keep moving. Keep dreaming. The auditors cannot get to you if you keep running. Very, very fast from one fuck up to the next. And... That is the one that uh, gives me permanently negative one, or no, it gave me negative one empathy while I was researching it just because I was so, you know, inward turned, you know, thinking about catastrophe. And on completion, every time I fail a white check, I get the plus one money real. Um, so, <laughs> so that's kind of a political one, right? Yeah. And it is just like this... It is a political one that is also, it, it, it's not you adopting the moral intern or moralism or liberalism, right? It is just like, it's much more about like the practical application of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, uh, uh, what? Um, Success uh, fail, right? Like all these books written by, written by people be like, the top way to succeed is to fail hard and fail often. Yeah, it's what the what uh, Lazzarato calls a uh, homo economicus, right? The mm-hmm. idea that like the the existence of the human is just this economic function, 
Um, and so this is like a survival guide for for being like a cool capitalist dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. but but written in such a way that, uh, I mean, you're a fucking plague. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's kind of you basically. It's it is this the the initial thought is oh my god bankruptcy has come financial mm-hmm. disasters come and like the conclusion after you think of it is you just need to become the disaster right yeah um i have another one uh i had a cool moment with the, one of the merch the, the like the guy who started selling stuff um out of his lorry mm, like sealy i think it's his name yeah i believe so um and uh sealing and uh i had a moment with him where i was like haha and i gave him the finger pistols Mm-hmm. And I, I, I had a thought cabinet for finger pistols, and now I, uh, and now I've got finger pistols. What do they do? Snap, snap, baby! Turns out guns aren't that aren't that much for protecting as they are for attacking people. If you want to protect people, work really, really work for them. You have to whip out your signature dual nine millimeter Villiers finger pistols. Who needs a real gun anyway? That conversation you just had, it would have gone better if you snapped those bad boys out at them. No, nine millimeter dual finger pistols do not count for an actual weapon in a gunfight. Hmm. That's it. That's okay. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, empty hand slots give suggestion plus one. So, like, well, if I don't have good. anything in my hands and I can finger pistol people, I get uh, I get that. Then I have my copa type, which is some kind of superstar. Um, gotcha. The solution was good. It says, uh, they say the world isn't ready for a rock and roll cop. No one wants their state monopoly on violence to be mixed with celebrity worship. They quote, claim to know, unquote, it would be dangerous for detectives to rise to the ranks of demigods and have sexual encounters, uh, with barely legal cover girls. It would be insane. They say to all this, you say, fuck off and die in a cool voice. You people have no idea how good these cops are going to get. They're going to crack 20 cases a day. In the future, cops will be like astrophysicists or prime ministers or prophets. And you're the first one. And I have negative one logic due to self-delusion. And a bunch of learning caps got increased. Huh. Yeah. I'm just a drug-using cop. Yeah. This This is what this is. I also got one called the Jamrock Shuffle because I kept opening things, and it it the Jamrock Shuffle is talked to Kim talks to me about it, and he says, yeah, people from your district have this weird tendency to like meander around a room, going immediately to containers and looking in them. So it's you know a little tongue in cheek mm-hmm. direct reference to like you're in a game, and it just makes it so that you when you open containers you get slightly more loot like slightly more money and the final one is the precarious world that i talked about last time which was you know thinking about these die uh that i was holding and the problem was kind of the idea of oh my god where everything stands on a knife's edge and the solution was just to come to the realization that no you still have to struggle you still have to fight the only way is to is to load the dice uh, is to keep fighting and persevere in spite of the the odds hmm. and that that completion i think you looked at it but didn't tell me it says critical success and failure thresholds mm-hmm. are lowered by one yes i did mm-hmm. 
which I guess means a critical success is like on any task you have at minimum a 3% chance of succeeding if you roll uh, double sixes because every every roll in the game is 2d6. Yeah, I'm assuming so. Yeah, and it, and it even, uh, when you do a skill check, the impression of two die mm-hmm. will like be faintly visible um, on the screen. So uh, now I should get uh, critical successes on either a, a natural 12 or a natural 11. Cool. Yeah. So those are, so no, I think the only real political one here being the uh, the bankruptcy sequence that I have. Yeah, it's interesting that you can, and maybe it's just because you, I mean, you are kind of purposefully ignoring any moment where you could be like interpolated politically. Right? I am. Where a political ideology could claim you. You're like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I refuse yeah. to even be named. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, once you get a journal, you kind of get your stats to the side of the screen of the tasks screen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for example, it's got four a grouping of four superstar cop, apocalypse cop, sorry cop, and boring cop, which mm-hmm. appear to be some of the coppa types. I have nine superstar cop points, but only one apocalypse cop point based on my like responses. Mm-hmm. Um communist, fascist, ultra liberal, and moralist um appears to be two, one, two, two, so like very even. I wonder what their ultra liberal versus moralist. I wonder what's going on there. Um, I mean, I think ultra. I think ultra liberal in this is like a libertarian. Mm, so, like pure, like extract as much money as possible. Moralist in this game would be, oh well, it needs to be regulated. So, like if you if you were like, oh well, you should redistribute that wealth. No, I think no, I think a, a moralist in this case is like a, the the light bending guy. Um, and, uh, like, uh, the ultra liberal is like a hyper hustler. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. I think, I don't think there's any, I, I don't think there's like, there's an implicit ideology in this game of like the welfare state, you know, like a classic European welfare state kind of ideal, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a political ideology. Like a, like a soft moralist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's one you can take on, maybe. Hmm. Unless I could be like, I don't know, maybe earlier in the game I could have been like, Kim, are you a moralist? I think I'm a moralist too. I am one. But I'm looking through the um, the thought cabinet stuff for what the other political things are, and I don't see that. But I'm also just kind of scrolling through it. So Interesting. So um, here is the, the Wikipedia's take on it, which, mm-hmm. you know, take it with a grain of salt ultra-liberal thought cabinet uh, project indirect modes of taxation. Yeah. Moralism, kingdom of conscience. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. So moralism, yeah. Um, Ultra-liberal representatives, Joyce Messier and the mega-rich white-bending guy are like ultra-liberals. Moralism, they're putting Kim Kitsuragi in there. So... We haven't talked about Dolores Day yet on the show, have we? She hasn't really come up for me. Um, yeah, I don't think that it's a pre-Day 3 thing. I think that you start getting a little bit more in that direction after Day 3. So it'll be interesting to see how, like, how... Because we haven't really talked about religion 
yet or like mm. talked with people who interact with religion quite yet right yeah not really uh kim told me about dolores day and about because that's what you know the the moral intern is the moralist international moralists are adherents to the beliefs of dolores day so it's all connected Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's what Kim tells me. But no, we haven't learned anything directly about it. So I'm, I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about that. And again, like I've said in every episode, right, like these are uh, not big final thoughts about the thing where we're kind of talking about the way these things work. It's um, as we experience them. It's as we experience them. Right. I mean, my opinion on how this thing works ideologically and kind of the claims that the system we're making could change completely in the next five or six episodes. I'm mm -hmm. radically open to uh, anything that could happen. Um, but uh and I'm going to see, too, if I can just compile some more political ideologies. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any trade-off. No, and there doesn't appear to be any real mutual exclusivity, except maybe some of the political thought, ca thought cabinets. You have to hit a threshold with your responses to even be offered them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and those trade-off, I guess, in conversation. I think so, yeah. So, interesting. Well, I guess tomorrow we're going to see the rest of the area this game kind of operates in, right? We're going to see the rest of Martinez. Yeah, we've been operating in one-third of the map, maybe? Right, yeah. One-third to 40%, I would say, is fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to do that. Uh, I don't actually know what's going on in that episode. Is We haven't blocked it out yet, but we will be going across the bridge and doing some other stuff. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to probably uh, inspect and see what's going on in a fishing village. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Well, awesome. Well, any, anything, uh, anything here at the end? That you want? I don't. I, I don't think so. You can go to patreon.com slash range touch in order to uh, figure out, uh, uh, you know, what we're up to, and you can support the show over there. If you want to listen to this in podcast format, you can check the description down below and do that. You can go to rangetouch.com to see all the other shows that we do. And uh, thanks so much for your support. Thanks so much for listening. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And, uh, you know, hit the like button as well. Um, if you uh, if you enjoyed watching this video and uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast app such as iTunes, why don't you rate us five stars? That would be a big help for us. I think that's it. Goodbye. Ciao. Oh.